Hello, Namaste, Satyakal, and Adab. Welcome to another another episode of our show, uh, Influencer One Hundred and One of the brand new series by Eset, broadcasting directly from NID Bhopal. You're listening to your host of the show, Albert Joklin, who's digging deeper on how to make creativity your business advantage. Here to assist me today is Mr. Jason Falls, an award-winning di- digital strategist, an author, and an influencer. Welcome, sir. How are you today? I'm great, Albert. Thanks for having me. Uh, so before we uh, move on, can you please let our audience know more about yourself? Well, sure. Um, so I've been in the uh, digital marketing strategy space for about 15 years. And prior to that, I spent about 15 years in the world of public relations. Uh, so the way those two things sort of overlap is I was always in charge of trying to work through the media uh, to get attention for my clients and their um, activities and cl- uh, products and events. Um, and then I made a shift into the digital marketing advertising world, and that became an opportunity in about 2005 to say, okay, how do I do the same thing with social media and with influencers and bloggers and things like that? So I've spent my entire career trying to you know, sort of leverage third parties with audiences to get attention for businesses, brands, and clients. And so that's kind of what I do. Wow. That's, you do have a really long career. <laughs> and, you know, when I first heard about the digital marketing space, you know, I was curious to know what role does digital marketing play in uh, building a brand and how do influencers play a part in that? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, digital marketing is certainly a subset of overall marketing, but you have to ask yourself in any type of business or marketing, where is your audience? And we have more opportunity now to interact with our audiences in real time on the internet and digital spaces than we ever have before. And so this is where people are. If you ask people what they spend their time doing these days, they might, you know, stream television shows or movies. They might do things like that, which is in the digital space too. But where do they really spend their time? They typically spend it on social networks, on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, et cetera. And so what businesses have to adjust to and why digital marketing becomes important is, yes, we can buy advertising. Yes, we can, you know, go through, you know, trade shows and different channels and conferences and events and whatnot in in order to reach audiences with our message. But if we really want to get in front of a concentrated audience these days on the internet is where we're going to find them. And so the digital space becomes an opportunity to further that marketing message uh, to your audiences out there because that's where they're spending their time. The reason that influencers uh, have a part to play in that is because since the advent of social media, the media landscape has become so fractured. Um, And that's not just in in the U.S. or where you are. It's around the world. Instead of one or two media sources, which we had 30 or 40 years ago, um, we have dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of media sources. If you consider each individual account on Instagram or YouTube, a media source, then literally you have millions, if not billions. So what happens is, is people go to social networks like Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or whatnot, and they start to gravitate to people who provide content that's interesting to them. So it might be that they're really interested in sports or sporting content. So they follow those channels of people who talk about sports and it might be big media uh, publications, or it might just be an individual who has a perspective that that individual likes. 
when we all have the choice to be able to go out and follow any number of media channels out there, whether it be traditional television stations, magazines, newspapers, et cetera, or new media uh, influential, influential people who are Instagrammers or YouTubers, that is where influencers kind of come into play. They have started to carve out that attention of the consumer. And so what we need to be able to do as brands is identify the influential points of, of, of contact for the consumers we're trying to reach. Again, it might be that they're paying attention to big magazines, big television stations, big celebrities, or it might be that they're paying attention to smaller audience influencers, people who have a couple of hundred thousand followers, but they're very intentional with the content that they produce and engage an audience really well. So influencers have become a pathway to reach people um, in very specific niche interests. So if you're selling a product in um, the outdoor space, if you sell camping equipment, for instance, uh, instead of going to a big magazine or uh, an outdoor television you know, network that talks about outdoors, you can actually go out and for a, a, a much small, a much smaller amount of money, you can go out and find five or 10 people who only blog about or do videos about or post Instagram pictures about outdoors and have just as many people, just as many eyeballs within that smaller, cheaper audience set than you would if you went with a big media advertising plan. So influencers are a very important component of what's happening in the overall marketing space, especially when you're trying to reach consumers with very niche interests. Wow. So influencers are really important when, when it comes to digital marketing. So suppose you're an experienced digital marketer and you're freelancing and you come across a country that's just had, uh, like whose internet penetration just increased massively due to some uh, new policy or something like that. And because of that, uh, there's a completely new uh, digital space that's been created for them and new ways to cover attention. How, like, but then the brands are going to be very conservative about it. They won't immediately jump uh, aboard this new train and uh, they won't immediately go for digital marketing. So how would you convince those brands to you know, uh, take up digital marketing rather than conventional advertisement? Well, I think ultimately brands are going to decide to spend their money where they know they can reach consumers. So I think what you really have to do is understand how the consumers in that new market are, uh, you know, are what are they leveraging? Where are they going online? What are they seeing? So you can use some some third party software tools to say, hey, we want to know. Um, you know, of, uh, in this particular country, what websites are the most popular, et cetera. Um, but you can also just survey consumers. You can actually, you know, go out and talk to focus groups of people to say, okay, now that these new policies are open, where are you going online? What are you spending your time doing? What content do you find uh, informative, educational, entertaining, et cetera? And so really understanding the consumer and being able to go to a brand and say, look, we know that of the audience that you're trying to reach, 79% of them are on Instagram and um, a good portion of them follow these five or six types of people on Instagram. So we feel like a responsible use of your marketing budget is to engage some Instagram influencers uh, specific to this country. The great thing about the digital space too is, especially with advertising platforms, whether it be Facebook or YouTube or Google or any other uh, website, 
is more often than not, you can really focus on your targeting. So you can say, hey, we want to spend a small amount of money on this country to test and see, is this going to work before we put a lot of budget behind it? So you can test and iterate and get to a point where you're very happy with your return without having to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. Okay, so, I mean, you've talked about all these platforms, like Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, the thing with these platforms is that they've recently come up with uh, new algorithms to capture people's attentions in ways that has never been done before. Now, the other day I was using Instagram and I didn't realize I was hooked to it until an hour had passed. So this algorithm does have a big role to play in the future. Like, that's what I think. And uh, I'm curious to know what kind of role will they play in the uh, in the digital marketing space as we progress? Well, those algorithms, and I, I think, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, they all have uh, different algorithms for how to surface information to a user. I think TikTok is the one platform that has sort of taken algorithms to a new level because by default, they feed you what they think you want to see versus what you're following. And you have the option to flip over and see what you're following, but they start you from a point of here's what we think you're going to like. And their algorithm is so smart based on your previous behavior, the videos you've watched, the videos you've watched all the way to the end, uh, the accounts that you've watched over and over again, et cetera. The algorithm is really smart to say, this is what you typically like to watch. So we're going to try to keep you here as long as possible. So what that means for brands and businesses is you need to sort of understand as much as you can, how that algorithm works um, so that a, you know, which social networks are doing a better job of keeping the attention of consumers and getting their attention and holding on to it, but also B, so that you can understand what accounts and what influential people on those networks are getting the most attention. And um, if you understand that people are, for instance, TikTok is, they've kind of, you know, they've advanced the algorithm and how, how it works, but uh, TikTok is also a platform where the things that win there are typically short, uh, funny, um, you know, very uh, sort of attention getting type things. So you're not going to go on TikTok and, and sponsor someone or post your own content that is a, you know, a one minute, you know, here's how to do something. It's, it's it, just a plain, non-emotional Inform, inf, informative piece of content probably isn't going to play well. You have to be entertaining. You have to be over the top. You have to mix in music. You have to do a lot of different things in order to grab people's attention so that you, once you have it, you can hold on to it. So you have to understand how these algorithms work and understand um, which accounts are uh, capitalizing on those algorithms well so that you know which creators to reach out to. Fortunately for TikTok, they just recently um, opened up their API. So a lot of the influencer marketing software tools can now start to tell you here are the influencers within this particular keyword that you're you know, wanting to focus on or this particular industry or whatnot. Here are the influencers or the people that are getting the most attention. So you can understand that a little bit better, but really watching, I think for brands more importantly is to watch which networks are keeping consumers attention right now. TikTok is probably number one. Instagram is probably number two. 
Um, YouTube is always going to be up there just because it's established and that's where people go to sort of entertain themselves with longer form content. But you need to watch the Twitters of the world and the Facebooks of the world and see that Instagram TikTok competition to know where you might want to prioritize your marketing spends. Wow, those are some really incredible uh, insights there. Uh, next, I, I would like to talk about the kind of impact COVID has. You know, uh, we've seen reports uh, of the great resignation come around and how people are increasing their social media presence. But this time, uh, they aren't being passive, but they're moving more on to content creation and becoming influencers. So with all of this in mind, like when, when you were going to, into the when we were going into the pandemic, what uh, what did you think of uh, the future of digital marketing? How did COVID change digital marketing in the past one year? And where do you see digital marketing going uh, from here on? Well, for digital marketing, I think the pandemic, um, you know, basically sort of made it a bigger piece of the pie for everyone, right? Because if we're going to be limited to our homes, we're not going, you know, we're going to be in lockdown. We're not going anywhere. Obviously, our connection to the world is the internet and the digital space. What the pandemic has done more than anything, though, for businesses and brands is it has proven that virtual work is actually good. Uh, there were a lot of businesses before the pandemic where, no, if you work here, you have to physically come into the building and you have to be on our you know, servers and so on and so forth. Because we were forced as a, a, a global community to say, no, we've got to work from home in all of these you know, office desk jobs. Um, what those, those, those businesses that used to be very stingy about keeping their workers in the building are now relaxed more and say, okay, we can, we can, we can have virtual workforces. We don't have to have people in the building in order to accomplish things. What that does is it exponentially increases the need for and the um, opportunity within the digital space, because you've got more and more people relying on the internet to get all of their work done. They have to log in remotely as opposed to in a closed circuit uh, network environment if they're going into a building. And so now the internet plays an even bigger role in people's attention and in people's productivity. Um, and so what that means is more and more people working from home uh, and, and working remotely are relying on the internet for not just work, but also for entertainment you know, they're start, and, and commerce. Um, you know, in, in the United States, I know, and I, I'm, I'm sure this is probably similar in many global uh, marketplaces as well, the, um, you know, food delivery uh, uh, applications and companies have just exploded. I mean, the, we, in here in the U.S., we have Uber Eats, we have DoorDash, we have Grubhub, we have all these different places where you can, with using an app, dial up a local restaurant and have someone go pick up your food and bring it to your house. Well, that was used by a very small portion of the population before the pandemic. Now it's used by probably the majority of the population. So now internet-based businesses have exploded. The use of internet-based businesses and the use of the internet itself has exploded. And so all the pandemic has done is taken digital marketing from here and made it here. Now everybody is relying on the digital space and therefore there's more time and attention being spent in the digital space and therefore brands want to be more of a part of that because they can reach those audiences. So prior to the pandemic or coming into the pandemic, I thought, you know, we're going to see a lot more uh, increased use of the internet. 
We're going to see a lot more uh, attention being paid to digital marketing because uh, the workforce has now shifted to say, I don't want to go into an office, so I'm not going to go back to the job that I did have. I'm going to try to you know, become a freelancer or join the, the gig economy, as it were, and do individual work from home, um, which, again, you know, changes the, the, the digital workforce and whatnot. I think what that has meant is, is, is that digital marketing has become a much bigger part of what every company needs to factor in. I think the future is only going to be continued growth for digital marketing and for influencers and individual content creators, because what we've done is we've established an expectation now that you don't have to leave home. You can work independently and work for yourself. You can manage your own time. You can manage your own hours and you can still um, you know, have a successful business, a successful life and make enough money to pay your bills and make ends meet and all that good stuff. So I see the the olden days of everybody going into the office is not, I don't think it's ever going to fully come back. I think there will be several businesses that say, nope, we need everybody to come in into the office and whatnot. And they're going to lose a particular percentage of their workforce because people now know well, I can just work from home on my computer and find enough opportunities to be able to uh, have a, a different type of career. Um, and again, that increased use is only going to get uh, uh, is only going to increase in the future because we now have an expectation that I'm going to work from home. I'm going to control my own schedule. I can be productive from home. I don't need someone looking over my shoulder uh, in order to be productive. So it's you know only up from here in terms of the digital marketing and influencer space, in my opinion. Wow. So, I mean, that was a lot of information and <laughs> a lot of incredible insights, honestly. And I kind of like the idea of, you know, working from home and uh, building your own brand from your co uh, computer at home. So if, if you were to start uh, digital marketing today from scratch uh, with all the experience you had, uh, how would you go about it? Wow. That's a, Really good question. I think the the answer almost is always almost always it depends. It depends on what my business is and what audience I'm trying to reach. But I think in general, um, there's a couple of sort of core principles that you have to sort of uh, have. First of all, I want to have a really good digital presence uh, in in the, the form of a website. I need a a hub of activity online for my company. Um, and then I want to use uh, the various mechanisms to get people to come to that hub of activity. Hopefully, I'm selling a product and I have an e-commerce solution where you can buy directly from me, because if you have that direct-to-consumer uh, possibility, then you don't have to pay a lot of middlemen to sell your product, right? Um, so if I have a direct-to-consumer website and I'm selling a product or service, um, I'm going to make sure that that website is, is you know, robust and engaging um, and uh, is designed to lead people down my sales funnel to convert to a customer. Um, but then I'm going to use the various channels to get people to that. So that might be that I'm going to optimize my website for search engines, and I'm going to do some pay-per-click advertising, because I know that's low-hanging fruit. That's people searching for an answer to a question or a solution to a problem. Um, and if I fit that solution with my website content, then I can be in front of those people and gain customers. Um, I'm also going to look at online media to advertise to relevant audiences on relevant websites um, to make sure that uh, as many people as possible know that I'm an option for them. But then I'm also going to try to build content that allows people to start to trust me. And so that might be that I'm going to do videos 
or I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to write articles for other websites to you know, prove my thought leadership or my uh, capabilities in my business. And I'm going to publish that content and, and use the opportunity to reach out to audiences on social networks to say, hey, here's some content that I'm putting out there for the community. I hope that it helps you get smarter about what I do. That type of content is going to help people like me. Um, it's going to help people know who I am. Uh, and then hopefully I do that over time enough that people trust me because if they know you like you and trust you, then ultimately they'll buy from you. And so um, I'm going to make sure that I have that core website. I'm going to leverage search. I'm going to leverage some advertising. I'm also going to leverage create content marketing, content creation, uh, and social media. And depending upon the industry, I might partner with some influential people, some influencers to say, hey, this person is selling a product or service I believe in and you should check them out. So I think that's a kind of a core foundational layer of what any business should probably do uh, if they're starting from scratch. Okay, so if I were to do all of that, but not for a business, but for for an individual or for me, uh, like I I would, I've like, uh, I'm going to like elaborate on this. I've seen many influencers who've used Twitter to grow their following. They've sent out many tweets and like they've moved on to building blogs, newsletters, and then eventually podcasts. Then I've seen YouTubers who started making videos and moved on to selling products and e-commerce stores. And then you have the Instagram influencers who uh, through the use of reels and stories, you know, uh, gain of, uh, get, get a lot of following. So what, which platform do you think is ideal for, uh, starting out as an influencer? Well, again, it depends um, because if you want to be an influencer in the, you know, in the business to business, the B2B space, um, you know, LinkedIn is going to be much more productive for you probably than, uh, you know, a, a Twitter or an Instagram. Um, but I think it really is uh, focusing on, on in on where are the, the, the people that you want to reach. If you are selling consumer product goods or you want to be, uh, influential or an influencer in, um, you know, sort of a consumer facing pop culture topic, then Instagram is going to be good for you. TikTok is probably going to be good for you. Twitter might be good for you as well. If you're looking more in the, you know, larger enterprise, um, you know, uh, businesses, whether it be a B2B or uh, hardware construction or software, uh, companies, then you're going to want to get into more niche areas. LinkedIn is probably going to be more relevant for you, but there might also be some forums and message boards and places out there that uh, spending more time there is, is going to be smart. I spend a lot of time sort of uh, fantasizing about my, my next home. I want, you know, I'm, I'm big into real estate and interior design and decor just as a hobby. And there is a, a website, at least here in the United States, I think it's in some uh, global markets as well, called Houzz, H-O-U-Z-Z. And if I am an interior designer or someone who wants to sell those types of services, Houzz is going to be very high on my list because it has a concentrated audience of people looking for those types of services. So depending upon what it is that you do and the vertical that you're going after, there might be some social networks that sort of pop up in there that aren't the mainstream big ones that you need to pay attention to. So it really just depends on what you're trying to do. It's hard to go wrong these days with having a really good blog on your website because that attracts search engines. It's hard to go wrong these days with YouTube videos if you can create really good ones because 
YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So again, people are going to discover you there. And it's pretty hard to go wrong these days with Facebook and Instagram because there's so many people on those platforms. And I've seen both B2C businesses and B2B businesses and influencers do very well on both of those platforms as well. So those are four pretty good places to start. But again, I would look at your target audience. I would look at your vertical and see, are there other networks that might move up the list of priorities so that you can really focus and be productive? Wow, uh, that is cool. Uh, I've been through your Instagram and I've noticed that you do fancy yourself some really nice bourbon. I think it's uh, Elijah Craig, right? Uh, uh, yes, I have a bottle of Elijah Craig sitting right over my shoulder. I think it's right there. <laughs> uh, so I think in one of your podcasts with uh, Chris Morgan, you said that you were associated with uh, bourbon companies. How did you manage to convert like, your interest into promotional strategies? Well, I'm, I live in Kentucky in the United States, and, and 95% of the world's bourbon comes from the state of Kentucky. So we have a lot of bourbon companies around here. So when you're in marketing in Kentucky, inevitably, you're going to work with a bourbon company or something around the bourbon industry. It's a big industry here. It would be like, you know, working in um, you know, Detroit, Michigan, and not having a contact with the automobile industry. There's a lot of automotive, you know, folks in that area. So bourbon is, is kind of our thing in Kentucky or one of our things in Kentucky. So over the course of my career, I've been very fortunate to work with uh, four or five different bourbon companies uh, or alcohol, wine and spirits companies and dozens of, of brands within that space. Um, it just happens to be something that I enjoy because I sort of grew up in Kentucky. And when I became of age and started trying bourbon and drinking bourbon, it became my sort of drink of choice uh, if I'm drinking an alcoholic beverage. Um, and I enjoy trying new ones. I enjoy exploring the world of bourbon personally. But I also happen to know a little bit about the marketing of it because I sort of grew up in this area in this market. If I'd grown up in another part of the United States or another part of the world, I probably wouldn't have nearly uh, as much affinity for bourbon, nor would I have the opportunity probably to work with those companies. Wow. Uh, speaking of bourbon, I've, uh, I also know that you've won the Sammy Award because of the Jim Beam bourbon strategy. So can you please elaborate on that strategy for me, please? Sure. That was uh, several years ago. And uh, Jim Beam bourbon at the time uh, had not done television advertising in the United States for several years, probably 20 years. And so they were coming out with their first television commercial. Um, and uh, so it was it was clever and interesting. And they were going to, you know, you know, spend a lot of money to get people to watch this TV commercial. But we wanted to leverage the internet to get people more engaged with the brand and the concept around the commercial um, to just drive, you know, extra, you know, uh, echoing affinity for Jim Beam. So the challenge was given to me to how do we leverage the internet to supplement this commercial uh, to have the commercial lead people to something different um, and, and something more enriching. So working with the Jim Beam marketing team and a couple of partners, we kind of brainstormed and came up with the idea that what we should do is we should challenge Jim Beam fans uh, to create their own version of the commercial. So we built a website that would allow them to download the, the graphics from the commercial, the music that we used in the commercial, some of the footage uh, that we used in the commercial. They could download it and, and remix it, re-edit it however they wanted to. 
but we encouraged them to shoot their own video and do their own version of that commercial. So the commercial was themed. Um, it was called the girlfriend and it was a, a kind of a humorous look at what a Jim beam drinker would, would consider the perfect girlfriend. So we encouraged people to come up with the perfect boyfriend and the perfect, you know, mom or dad or brother or sister or whatnot. And so uh, what that ended up doing was, uh, you know, driving, I think it was a couple of thousand people actually submitted their own versions of a Jim Beam commercial. Um, and the ultimate prize was, you know, we sent the person who won, uh, they got a, a $25,000, I think, and a trip to Las Vegas with their friends. So there was a nice prize at the end of it. It was worth your while to spend time doing it. But it did exactly what it was designed to do. It took a regular television commercial, just like any other company runs, but it had that audience come to a landing page to say, hey, we want to see your creative version of our idea. So we want to get you more involved and engaged with the brand. And that's exactly what it did, which is why it was recognized as, a, as an award-winning campaign back then. Wow. So I think engaging with the audience is one of the best ways to spread your message as a brand. Uh, so now just to spice up the show a little bit, we're going to have a quick rapid fire round. Okay. <laughs> uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Uh, cats or dogs? Cats. Uh, your favorite drink apart from bourbons? Diet Pepsi. Uh, your favorite athlete? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the best book you've written? I've written? Well, I, I love Winfluence. My latest is really good. I like it. <laughs> uh, the best book you've read? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that's tough. Um, I'm going to go with The Great Gatsby. Okay. A piece of advice you wish you had known earlier? Oh, piece of advice I wish I had known earlier. It's not about you. I spent a lot of my career focused on me and it should have been focused on other people. Wow. So that's all for the rapid fire round. Okay. That was um, easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, but there were some questions that you had really had to think about. Uh, so you, you love Cristiano Ronaldo. So like, are you a fan of soccer or something? Yes. Um, so I grew up in a part of America where I didn't see soccer uh, live in person until I was in my in my 20s. So we didn't really have even youth soccer where, where I grew up. But I, in my first 15 years of my career, when I worked in public relations, I worked in sport. Um, and so I eventually got to work with some soccer coaches and some soccer teams. I learned a lot about the game. I started to really appreciate it. And probably for the last I would say 20 years or so, I've been an, uh, you know, an avid soccer fan trying to watch and learn as much as I can about the game. And that has culminated with about six years ago now, Louisville, the city where I live in Kentucky, we now have a second division professional men's team. Um, and we built a brand new stadium, which is beautiful. And, and I'm a season ticket holder. And then this year is the first year we've had the major league, uh, the top division women's team. Uh, in Louisville as well. And so actually, if you look over my shoulder, that that's a crest for the women's team right there on a bourbon barrel head. 
so I have season tickets to both. I take my kids to those matches and we just, we love soccer. I grew up more of a baseball football fan, uh, but I've become a American football fan. I've become much more of a football in the global sense of the word uh, fan. And uh, we love going to soccer matches. Wow. So uh, before we uh, wrap up, what advice would you like to give to students who are trying to become digital marketers? Well, I think, uh, and there's so many things that I could throw out there. I think the biggest thing is that uh, as you approach opportunities to either build your business or have clients where you're building their business, always think, think strategically. Um, you know, some people say, I want to manage your social media or I want to write content for your blog or I want to manage your ad campaigns. And those are tactical executions of a bigger piece of the pu puzzle. So if you think strategically about everything you do and you always go in with, okay, let's start with the goal. What are we trying to accomplish? Not from a digital marketing perspective, not really even from a marketing perspective. What's the business goal? Are you trying to increase market share? Are you trying to increase sales? Are you trying to increase awareness? Are you trying to differentiate yourself from consumers? Understand strategically what you're overall trying to do, because that informs the decisions that you'll make along the way on the tactical level. And if you always think strategically with that goal in mind and how to measure toward that goal, you'll make a lot better decisions and the people that you have to answer to, whether it be bosses or clients along the way will be much happier with the work that you do. Yeah, I've heard of, uh, like, I've read The Art of War by Sun Tzu, and the book itself highlights the importance of, you know, being strategic in what you do, because anyone can be a tactician, but the ability to think strategically is really hard to come by. So are there uh, any resources you think, like, that would help the audience become more strategic in nature? Well, sure. There's plenty of, of great books uh, and blogs and websites out there. Um, you know, probably from a marketing public relations perspective, I highly recommend um, the new rules of marketing and PR by David Meerman Scott. Uh, it's one of the sort of the, the Bibles of the industry now, especially in light of the new media and social media emerging. Um, I think it's in its seventh or eighth edition now. So it's, it's continually updated, very good book for everyone. Um, and then I think, you know, following some of the, the, the big thinkers in the digital marketing space um, is online and, and consuming their content is a great way to do it. Gary Vaynerchuk is very smart and worth following. Uh, Simon Sinek has a much sort of bigger perspective on the world, but talks a lot about marketing and how you deal with audiences and consumers. Uh, Brene Brown does a fantastic job. I love everything that uh, the Malcolm Gladwells of the world uh, push out. Seth Godin is brilliant as well. Um, and all of those are just the Americans. I'm sure there's probably, you know, much more, um, you know, relevant folks uh, wherever you are uh, that are marketing thought leaders as well. So find those people who uh, think strategically and impressed with and, and learn everything you can from them. Right. Uh Thank you, everyone, for listening. You just heard Mr. Jason Falls with your host, Albert. Uh, cheers and take care. You're signing off from Team uh, Station Pay Chacha. Hey,